This is for Report 76 on Fractional Ownership. Let's start by talking about why this topic matters. Fractionalization helps you get access to high-quality assets that tend to have above-average returns. When we talk about commercial buildings, farmland, and companies that are public, so they're fractionalized in that way, but imagine if these were unicorns that were private, you wouldn't be able to buy any of these assets outright unless you were ultra-wealthy. And that's the problem. The consistent above-average returns tend to be concentrated around these high-quality assets as opposed to the penny stock equivalent of commercial buildings and fine art. The solution is that the masses have access to these high-quality assets via fractionalization where they don't have to lay out millions of dollars for a Rembrandt or a Class A commercial building, but instead they can buy a share of these high-quality assets. In the report, you can find examples of platforms that help fractionalize assets as well as trade shares on secondary markets. You can find examples of tokenized assets, whether we're talking about NFTs or even NBA contracts. And you'll also find examples of DAOs that have pulled capital together to acquire these assets. The first prediction is that fractionally owned networks and protocols will become more common. And this can be used as a customer acquisition and retention strategy for these networks. In the report, we'll link to Chris Dixon's iconic post, Why Decentralization Matters. And he covers how traditional networks provide a lot of value up front until they reach tipping points in terms of the network effects, and then it becomes an extractive play for them. The forkability of these user-owned networks limit that and keep power in check. It may actually help networks grow faster by virtue of the fact that they're giving ownership in the network to the users that are generating value. Another prediction is that NFT projects with limited supplies, let's say 10,000 items, may eventually have millions or billions of owners. And CryptoPunks is one example of this where we can look at one CryptoPunk like CryptoPunk 7171, where via fractional.art, this NFT has over 700 owners, including me. Another prediction is around NFT indices, where these will become more common to lower the volatility where you're not only exposed to one asset or even one collection, you're exposed to several collections. We'll also see more artists offer ownership in their work where artists like Blau are leading in this space where sharing ownership actually aligns the artist's interests with their audience, where they have more of a reason to promote this artist in their work. We'll also notice that platforms which manage physical assets may stay centralized, at least in the near term, because they have concerns such as storage, figuring out authenticity, and also handling operations if we're talking about something like a commercial building. And a centralized model may be more efficient at solving these problems compared to a decentralized model around digital assets where you don't have to worry about operations. You don't have to worry about authenticity because as much as people talk about right, click and save, we don't concern ourselves with the authenticity of these NFTs because everything is on chain. We'll also see innovation around representative governance models where a lot of ENS owners that receive tokens actually delegated their votes to other people. And this move around protocols that are trying to balance decentralization with representative models, the trade-off is speed, where if you have a truly decentralized model without representation, it may take a very long time before anything gets done. So we try to find some middle ground with this representative model. Once opportunities, where the first opportunity is to get exposure to high-quality assets via fractionalization. If you're bullish on CryptoPunks, but you don't have $400,000 or you don't want to invest $400,000 in a single asset, you can use a platform like Fractional Art to get exposure. This also applies to commercial buildings, 
farmland, sports carts, collectible shoes, and the like. You could also look at owning protocols that you use. So instead of leveraging a .com domain where you don't own part of the protocol, you can use a .eth domain and then buy ENS tokens. So you're creating equity value for yourself as you use this protocol. The same applies to Spotify versus Audius, which is a music player and platform, and they also have a token. You could also look at sharing ownership of your artwork with your audience, where artists like Blau are doing this. It just aligns incentives where your audience isn't simply aligned with you emotionally, they're also aligned with you financially. You could also look at IPOing or bringing these blue chip assets to market on your own. And NFTs are just one example of this, where if you own a CryptoPunk or a Bored Ape, you can bring that to market and fractionalize that, giving yourself some liquidity, taking some money off the table while retaining some ownership. And Fractional.art even has a concept of a curator's fee. By bringing that asset to market, you can receive an annual fee. You can also look at bringing people together to acquire assets. And this is the job to be done around party bid. An example of this is Tiara, a crypto punk, which was named by a group that came together called the Crypto Cookout. You can also look at employing a pick and shovel strategy where companies like Alternative Assets Club has done this in the education space. Aragon is doing it now around open source infrastructure to build DAOs. There's also Juicebox, which was leveraged by the Constitution DAO. Another opportunity is around using DAOs as a vehicle to raise for social causes. And Pleaser DAO is an example of this, where they bought an Edward Snowden NFT via foundation to make a statement on freedom and democracy. You can also look at Juicebox and Mirror. These are also platforms which make capital formation easier. You could also look at launching a micro-private equity fund for blue chip NFTs, and we'll link to a fund called Metaphor where they've done this and they hold CryptoPunks, Toes, and also Apes. Let's move on to risk, where the first risk is around high valuations, and it's easier for newer investors to get caught up in terms of share prices, where share prices are simply arbitrary. It's more important to look at the valuation that you're investing at for these assets. And we're seeing with Robinhood and other companies, where they're introducing gamification, which may help with user retention, but it may not help you become a better investor. Another risk is around illiquidity, where you need to understand what's your payback period look like? How do you get paid back? What are those liquidity events? Something that's important to know is whether there are active secondary markets for the shares that you've bought, or do you have to wait for an acquisition or some other liquidity event before you're paid back? There's another risk around rug pulls or just simply bad faith actors or operators where rug pull is a concept from Web3 where you have teams that tend to be anonymous that still funds. But this has also happened in the world of syndicates around real estate. Let's move on to key lessons where the first key lesson is that fractionalization unlocks liquidity and it increases access to these high quality assets and also makes diversification easier. Fractionalization also tends to boost valuations because as you're unlocking liquidity, if I give you two assets and all else equal, one is more liquid than the other, you want the more liquid asset, which probably means you're willing to pay more for that asset. So it makes sense that valuations increase as assets become more liquid. And in the report, we'll link to a post on liquidity premiums. Another key lesson is looking at how shared ownership often leads to spontaneous communities. And to see one example of this, look at the owners of a PFP project like CryptoPunks or Cryptodes. And you'll notice that these people aren't only aligned around a brand, they're also financially aligned, which leads to a deeper connection. Another key lesson is that DAOs will have a larger impact on the world than LLCs. 
A big advantage with limited liability companies was that limited partners who weren't in charge of operating, let's say, a railroad, wouldn't be on the hook if injuries or deaths occurred in the construction or operation of this railroad, which makes sense. And that makes capital formation easier. DAOs also make capital formation easier, and they extend beyond this story of nation-state borders. And we often talk about DAOs as decentralized autonomous organizations. In fact, very few are truly decentralized. They are not autonomous and they require upkeep and manual intervention, but DAOs are unstoppable and they're also permissionless. In some countries, you may not even be able to open a bank account if you're a woman, but anyone can start a DAO. And that's a key difference between the impact that LLCs had versus the impact that DAOs will have. On to haters, where the first hater says that Facebook is a public company, so it's a user-owned network. And there are a lot of differences between public companies that are social networks and user-owned networks. For one, yes, Facebook is a public company, but it took them eight years to IPO. And even after the IPO, they have dual-class shares where some officers like Mark Zuckerberg can have a minority of shares and actually control a majority of the company. There's also little overlap between the users of Facebook and the decision makers of Facebook. And that's very different compared to ENS or another user-owned network with governance tokens. Another hater says that PFPs shouldn't be fractionalized. That creates a weird effect around, can you use this profile picture on your Twitter profile or another platform? And it's important for us to leave this up to social consensus. Ultimately, they will decide and they are deciding. One practice that we're seeing emerge is that if you own a part of a CryptoPunk or another NFT, what will happen in some cases is that someone will throw a party hat on top of the PFP, and this is a nod to party bid signaling that you own part of this NFT. And another hater says that this report is too focused on Web3. And in previous reports, we've talked about Otis, Masterworks, and even companies like Republic when it comes to equity crowdfunding. And there are lots of resources out there around fractionalizing traditional assets. But what we did in this report was that we took the principles of fractionalization and we project it forward to understand what impact fractionalization will have on Web3 assets. I'd like to thank everyone who helped out with this report, including Stuart from Podcast Hawk, Sean Waugh, Stefan, and Wyatt from Alternative Assets Club, Ashwin from Trends VC, Adil from Demand Curve, Rick from Craig Angel Group, Vajresh from Superlayer Labs, and Yardi from A4E. This wraps it up for Report 76 on fractional ownership. Thanks for listening, and I'm looking forward to your thoughts.